Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... I would like to be liked, but I'm not going to remove the borders. I'm not going to change anything. I just, I got to get okay with not being liked. Did everybody like Jesus? Think about how wonderful he was. Fed hungry people, miraculous, did all, I mean, all the things he did, who could not like Jesus? I don't even understand. It had to be satanically inspired. There was nothing unlikable about him, but there were people that plenty of folk during his time that figured out a way to not like him. Who doesn't like to be liked? We all would like the approval and affirmation of others, but it's just a fact of life that there will be someone, or perhaps many, who just won't approve of you. Today, Pastor Bill talks about a group of believers who weren't exactly held in high favor by their culture. But they weren't willing to back down on the true claims of Jesus in order to win the satisfaction of others. You may not be liked by someone, but take heart. A lot of people didn't like Jesus either. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, as he continues his message, The Church of Philadelphia. There's never been a generation of believers that weren't tempted to leave the Word of God. You know, you know that? That's always going to be a place of battle, a place of war. The enemy's going to always attack if you go all the way back in the beginning of your Bible, you learn how Satan wars. Satan, the first thing he ever came against was the word of God. You know that? He told Eve, has God indeed said that you can't eat? I mean, she's, I mean, brought into question the word. Did God really say that? And the insinuation was, because if he did, that's messed up. Right? God, did God really say you can't eat of all the, that is messed up. All them trees, you can't, you can't eat of all the trees. What God had really said was you can eat of all the trees except one. But look at how Satan flipped it. Did God really say, did, he get, did God indeed say, don't be surprised that same thing is happening today? Does the Bible really say? That's not what the Bible really means. You got people that don't even know the Bible quoting it and twisting it and maneuvering it and, you know, maligning it. God says, look, this church kept my word. We want to be a church that keeps the word. But here's the deal. You can't keep the word you don't know. That's why I want y'all to read it every day. <laughs> That's why we study the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. That's why we do it this way. I don't get to show up on Sunday and decide I want to talk to y'all about this. When I show up on Sunday, I've spent the week preparing what God said already. And I'm believing that it's living and powerful. He's going to speak to you today what he wants to speak through it, right? I don't pick and choose. We went through some rough places, went through the minor problems. We went through them parts of the Bible. Some of y'all Bibles are stuck together there. If you ain't showing up, it's the part of your Bible that just looks like it's a glued together clump. From Daniel to Malachi, we, we went through all of that, right? Every chapter and every verse of it, we got one. We have to do Malachi. We're going to finally hear Malachi in context. But it's important that in order to keep the word, I got to know the word. And so he commends him here. You guys have kept my word. Then he says this to them. And you have not denied my name. In times of persecution, of the temptation for the church, the temptation for the believers then was to deny his name. Imagine, because we don't live under this kind of persecution, so we don't necessarily understand what it would have felt like or what it would have been like. But imagine living in a time where if it were known that you were a Christian, could cost you your job. Everybody here with a job, consider this. Consider if showing up tomorrow and saying, somebody say, hey, what'd you do yesterday? And you saying, oh, I was at church. That costing you your position, that costing you your job, that costing you your livelihood. Imagine what the temptation would be. Imagine being called in the offices and being questioned outright. Are you saying that Jesus Christ is God? 
And you're like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Imagine being in a position where that would cost you something. We're in an area right now where, you know, you, you may get in trouble for being a witness. You may be in, get in trouble for speaking out too loud or for holding a position, but people might not like you for it. But they, there's kind of room for everybody right now. But imagine living in a time where it could cost you that way. There may be a temptation to deny. There may be a temptation. No, 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 no. no I just, I just, I go with my family. I don't really believe all that. <laughs> my mama made me go, you know, or whatever. It may be tempting to deny it. Maybe some of you, in your own way, are tempted to deny it. Maybe you're tempted to deny his name in front of certain people, in front of family. Maybe you haven't lived so well before certain people, so you don't want to say nothing. Deny his name. Can I encourage you guys that for no reason ever would we want to deny his name? Ever. You don't ever want to deny his name. He's commending them for not denying his name. You guys are not denying my name. It wouldn't be commendable unless it was tempting, unless there was a temptation to do it. But he's commending them that you didn't fold when you got put under pressure. And this may not be the best analogy, but it, it works for me. Growing up, I used to catch the bus. Back in my day, the bus was called the RTD. Uh, we called it the rough, tough, and dangerous. I remember being on a bus by myself, going from my little school on Van Ness, going to visit somebody else down Van Ness. And if you guys know how Van Ness travels, Van Ness and Century, you know, right around the area, you got Bloods, you got, you know, Inglewood families in Manchester. But as you go past, if you keep Van Ness, keep going down past, you know, Imperial, you get into, you know, you're in Crip area. So I'm on the bus. I started in the Blood area and I'm on the bus and it's, I'm, I'm in junior highs, high school kids on the bus, Bloods, five or six guys back there. And then, I get down to, you know, down to tour Gardena and a guy gets on the bus by himself, not a big dude. Absolutely. He was a crip and he walks on the bus and all the blood stood up. And I was like, ooh, this is about to let me scoot back. And I'm thinking this guy's about to get whooped. You know, he's about this, you know, and they asked him, they were like, hey, they asked him, where he, where you, where you from? That's for y'all that don't know how the game bang thing goes. Where you from? You know, and the, the guy, you know, he could have, he could have denied it. He should have just not been in it. I'm not recommending gangbanging, but this is the analogy works for me here. So he uh, he he said where he was from, you know, he shotgun, crip or whatever. And he walked he walked right into the storm. I watched this one skinny dude whoop. I mean, it was I was embarrassed for them five. Blood. I was like, y'all better not. Y'all like this, this. They lucky that was before the cell phone era. He whooped all five of them and then got off the bus. And I was like. That I am impressed. I don't know who he is. I would I would like to learn fight lessons from you, sir. You know how to fight. I mean, he whooped all five, did not bow down, didn't cower, whooped all five of them, and then got off the bus. And I'm just sitting there like, man, you know, here's my thing. He he didn't deny it. He 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 stood his ground. He rolled with it. You know, he just look, I am what I am. I'm outnumbered, I'm outdone, but I'm not, I'm not gonna deny it. Now I've seen people do it for it. Well, we all agree that gangbanging is stupid. If you don't agree, it's stupid. So uh, it's, 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 it's the risking of life and liberty for no gain. It's stupid, right? Someone that would hold their ground for that. And then we got believers who Jesus have died in your place to forgive you of all your sins, that you might spend eternity in heaven instead of in hell how could we deny him? Amen? That's so much weightier than anything else that people have stood for. It's so much bigger. It's so much greater than many other things that people have stood their ground for and not been willing to fold. And so 
He says to them, man, it's commendable. You have not denied my name. And I know where you're living, and I know it's tough, but you have not denied my name. And so we want to be that kind of Christian. We want there to be some oomph to us, that we wouldn't be folding, that we wouldn't be quiet, that we wouldn't deny his name, that we wouldn't be quiet when we should speak up, that we wouldn't be unwilling to share when we're supposed to share, that we wouldn't cower to anybody about who Christ is. Um, We got to be a light in the dark. You can't be a light with your mouth shut all the time. And you can't make peace with everybody as you're going to be a light. Some people are going to run from the light. Some people don't like the light. So as you bring your light, that's what's going to happen. I get reminded of this. It's not fun. There are times where I'm like, man, I, I, I realize there are people that don't like me just because of what I stand for. I ain't even did nothing yet. I just stand for this so they don't like me. I would like to be liked. But I'm not going to remove the borders. I'm not going to change anything. If I just, I got to get okay with not being liked. Did everybody like Jesus? Think about how wonderful he was. Fed hungry people, miraculous, did all, I mean, all the things he did. Who could not like Jesus? I don't even understand. It had to be satanically inspired. There was nothing unlikable about him. But there were people that plenty of folk during his time that figured out a way to not like him. So I got to be okay in my day. If I'm trying to represent him, if there's some people that find their way around, I don't like him. Now, I'm not Jesus, so I might actually do something that qualifies you to not like me. So let me let me clarify. I'm not aligning myself with him, but I'm saying if they didn't like him, I also got to be okay with people not liking me. What I don't want to do is ever deny him in any way. I don't want to deny him through silence because obviously there's there's, you could deny him, you know, just forthright. No, no, I don't know the man, all right? I'm not a Christian. I don't. That's just straight up denial. But you could deny him by being quiet when you should speak up. You could deny him in conversation when someone asks you what you did today and you're like, I'm not going to say I went to, oh, I was hanging out with family. Why you didn't say you went to church? Why are you ashamed? Why are you cowering for them? Why wouldn't you tell them that? He's in every conversation, right? He's right there hearing that conversation. That's weak. I mean, I, if I was God, I would smack you on the spot. I would do something on the spot. I hear you say something like that. You would lose hearing for the day. You know, I, you would lose a tooth in the front of your mouth. You know, something on sight. <laughs> Stop it. So he commends him. <laughs> you have little strength. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. This is a good church, solid Christians. These are just a few things. They have little strength, kept the word not deny this name. He says in verse nine, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. And so here he speaks to those Jews that have probably booted him out of the synagogue where they live. Um, he calls them the synagogue of Satan because these Jews who were not Christians, they were, you know, national Jew, but not believers, not in the truest sense. They were opposing the church. They were doing the work of Satan. Be careful about aligning yourself with the enemy in terms of how we deal with Christians. Right? God says they are the synagogue of Satan because they're aligning themselves with Satan. They're doing the work of Satan. They're coming against his church. You want to be very careful about coming against the church, coming against God's people, coming against God's kids. You want to be careful about that. Because look, let's say you serve the Lord. And you're a servant of the Lord. You belong to the Lord. You serve him. Well, if I come against you and you serve him, I'm actually coming against him. I am. That's essentially what happens. And so we want to be careful. Sometimes, you know, you look around and believers are going at believers. And you're like, that's not, y'all not my battleground. 
We're on the same team, you know? Um, but sometimes that's how the enemy gets us to be ineffective because we're fighting the wrong war. I'm worried about how you did something or what you're doing. Be careful about being lured into that sort of thing where you might find yourself doing the work of Satan. You're opposing God's church instead of opposing the, the kingdom of darkness and taking, taking, you know, taking ground, you opposing other believers. And so be careful about that. But he says that, that those of the synagogue of Satan, they say they're Jews, but they lie. God said, I'm going to make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I've loved you. God's going to deal with their enemies. There's a couple of things that are happening here because some believe it's not that they're going to come worship the Christians here. They're going to know that they were wrong at some point. Um, they're going to come and worship before their feet, and they're going to know that he has loved them. Something we can take from this is God is telling this church, this faithful church, does he tell them y'all need to deal with them, y'all need to fight them? He said, I got that covered. Understand this, that as much as he's letting them know, I, I will fight your battles. That's true for you, too. Some of us get out here fighting our own battles. Anybody that's fought your own battle, you know it's stressful, strenuous. It has zapped you of every energy and power when you get out here fighting your own battles. God says, let me do it. Take that off your plate. Don't let that consume you. You know, you're fighting your own battles. You're going after things. God says, let, let me do that on your behalf. Um, and so we want to be careful about that, right? Those that are adversaries, those that come against you, um, God says, look, you know, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, if I go get my own revenge, God don't got to get you. He got to come get me because he told me not to do that, right? But God says, look, I'll I'll repay. If somebody's coming against you, you just keep doing what I told you to do. I will deal with those that have come against you. What that means for the believers is that we can stay on offense. We can continue moving forward with our function, with our purpose. God says, I got that covered. I will deal with that. And again, that's that's comforting. They They don't have to go you know, fighting with these believers, fighting with these Jews. God said, I will make, at the end, there's going to come a day where it's going to be made right. Everybody's going to, they're going to know that you were correct. And so you guys just keep moving forward. Look at verse 10 now. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so now it's a, a conditional promise. He says, And it's not something he says, I'll do it if you. He's saying it past tense. Because you have already, because you have kept my command to persevere. You guys have hung in there. You guys have persevered. You've been faithful. Because you have, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial. This hour is a a time of trial. And so most believe this is speaking of the tribulation period, that that time where God is going to pour out his wrath on the earth. God says, because you have been faithful to me, I'm going to keep you from that hour of trial. There's books and books and volumes and volumes on that verse because there are different opinions. There's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. There's all these different views. Uh, Our view is that we believe the church is raptured, caught up from the world before the tribulation, that we won't be here for it. There are people that believe we will be here and somehow in the middle of it will be taken out. Some believe that we'll be here for the whole thing. God will persevere us through the whole thing. Here's my problem. I'll be quick. My problem with all of that is that the purpose, the stated purpose for the tribulation period is God is pouring out his wrath. Well, God's wrath for me was poured out on the cross. There's no more wrath for us. So I don't see how we get to be here for the error where God pours out his wrath. That's not for us. That's for them. I'm going to be with him. Amen. 
So, uh, you know, so that's as there's more. We will do a whole study on the rapture as we come toward chapter four, um, but not today. So but he says, look, as you because you have persevered, you guys have been faithful. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to test the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast. This is the one command he gives this church. Uh, and this is a great thing. This is how you know they were doing well. He just says, hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. God says, don't. He doesn't add anything new. He doesn't say, you guys need to do this instead. He says, just hold fast what you already got. So if you're doing good, right, if you go in for your job, you know, uh, evaluation, and they say, just keep doing what you're doing, that's a good evaluation. That means that they've evaluated my service and my work, and they're saying they like what I'm doing so much, they only just want me to keep doing what I'm doing. Would you guys agree that's a great evaluation? That's Christ's evaluation of this church. Just hold fast what you have. Don't change a thing. I'm not adding anything new. I'm not taking you, take, telling you to stop doing anything. Just hold fast what you have. So if you're here and you're doing well in your walk with the Lord, God would say, keep going. Maybe, you know, we come to this year and we're talking about devotions and doing the, but you say, that's what I've been doing. God would say, keep what you're doing. Keep going that way. Hold fast what you have. That's what he would say to a faithful church which is, again, it's a very encouraging evaluation of Jesus Christ, who knows everything, says, just keep what you got. Just hold fast. This is important, though. The command to hold fast says that it's, if I got to hold fast, it's because someone's trying to snatch it. So you don't have to hold fast something that's it's just, you know, going to buy awesome awesome stay with you. God said, no, you got to, it's some effort involved in keeping, it was effort involved to get there, and there'll be effort involved in maintaining. You got to hold fast what you have. So we got to know that. That as time winds down, even those of us that are doing well, God would say, hold fast what you have, because the enemy will be at work. He will be faithful to to snatch and shake and pull and tug, and it will be a battle. It's going to be a battle. It's been a battle. It will be a battle, but it's a winnable war for us. And so God would say, hold fast what you have. Then he says in verse 12, he who overcomes, first thing, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. So first he tells this church that has been removed and kicked out. God says, not only are you going to be, you guys are going to be a pillar in the temple. All the temples have big pillars that held up the fronts of them. He says, I'm going to make you a, a pillar in the temple of my God. I'm going to make you a permanent fixture in my house. Um, and so you're not going to be going out. This church has been, you know, the area they've been moving out, in and out because of, you know, because of, um, the earthquakes, they've been moved out of the synagogue because of the persecution. God said, look, I'm going to make you guys a permanent fixture in my temple. You'll be home with me. Then he says, and he shall go out no more. God says, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. A lot of writing going on. If you guys remember to one of the other churches, he promised he was going to write on them a new name. Here he says to them, I'm writing. Look at all this writing. And let me just give you this. The word that's used for writing here is permanent. You're going to be tatted up in heaven, right? God's writing on you. This is permanent writing. It's not going to come off. He's writing on you the name of the city of his God. He's writing on us a new name. So he's writing these things on us. What does that mean? It means it speaks of ownership and intimacy with the Lord. God is saying, look, I'm claiming you guys. I'm writing on you guys. You guys, you will be identified as mine. And I'm writing these things on you. So he's claiming us. These won't be shameful writings. You won't be ashamed to have these things written on you. 
Uh, anybody, if God writes a name on me, I want that. Wherever he writes it at, you can write it right across my cheek. I'll get a Mike Tyson tat with the name of God, you know. <laughs> However he want to do it, I'll take it. So, but he says, I'm, I'm writing these things on you. And God is saying, look, this, it's his promise that it's going to be intimate. And I'm claiming you guys, you guys are going to be mine. You're going to be with me and you're going to be mine. So again, I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple of my God and you're not going to go out anymore. I'm going to write on him a new name. I'm right on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. God's going to write a new name on us. All these are the promises to those who overcome. And we said it every week, but I want to say it again. Who are the overcomers? Everyone that has put their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. We are the overcomers. We overcome through the blood of the lamb. Through the testimony of Jesus, we overcome through him. And so if you're here and you're a believer, you're a Christian, you put your faith in Christ, you are an overcomer. These promises would apply. These are all the things that we have to look forward to as his kids, as his people. And then he says, lastly, what he says to all the churches, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to all the churches. Let him hear it. And he who has an ear. So as we wrap this up today, I want to convey what is it that's being unveiled about Jesus in this. One thing to me, as I was you know, really going through this, I'm like, man, this is the faithful church. You see how simple it is to please God? The faithful church. Was it anything real spectacular? No. They just, I mean, pretty simple things they did. They didn't deny his name. Is that easy enough for you guys? Don't deny his name. Keep his word. They had those things. They had a little bit of strength. They weren't strong. They were, they were strong enough to, were to be commended. They had a little strength. They were holding on to what they had. They kept his word, and they didn't deny his name. I think that's, I mean, if I were just to write it out, God, if, I guess if I can do those three things, little strength, right? Because I'm not walking in my own strength. I'm walking in his strength anyway. When I'm weak, he is strong. Keep his word. Don't deny him. Think about how simple that is, but how complete it is. Because so much is covered under keep my word. If I keep God's word, I'm going to be a better husband, a better dad, a better Christian, a better friend, a better pastor. This book encompasses every area of my life, public life, personal life, every area. Keep my word. God said, if you do that, keep my word and don't deny me. Stay in your ground. We're not living in the kind of persecution that they're living under, but we have our own types of persecution. And so faithfulness is what the Lord desires. And I want to close with that. We dub this church the faithful church. Um, We look at the few things that they've done. I like to remind people of this. Faithfulness is attainable by everybody. Everybody can't be as talented as the next person. Everybody can't be as gifted as the next person. But you know what everybody has the capacity for? It's faithfulness. Everybody in this room can be faithful with what the Lord has given you to do. Faithfulness is something everybody can succeed at completely. And so and what I've learned over the years in ministry is faithfulness is not really a, a taught, you know, people grow in faithfulness. A, there, there are people that are just faithful and there are people that are not. I will take a faithful person over a talented person every time, right? Because I found that over the years I can find somebody that's talented, but if they're not faithful, they won't be there on time or they may not show up at all. You know, I'll take faithful. Faithful will be here. Faithful can grow. Faithful can learn skills. You can't teach faithful. You can teach talent. You can grow in talent. Faithfulness is 
someone's willingness to be faithful to God. You're either faithful or you're not. Let it be your goal to be faithful to the Lord. Your faithfulness to God will have you be faithful everywhere else you need to be faithful. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.